It is to the yellow rose, if I recall correctly the order of Caroline's presentation today that we come to now, a platform for a few thoughts today on this refreshing Lord's Day, taken from Second Timothy, first chapter, having to do with what Christian women like the Yellow Rose ladies can be for us all. Listen for the Word of God. For here Paul says to the young Timothy, I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience as my ancestors did, that is to say his family did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands For God did not give us, and he's talking particularly to young Timothy, for God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but a spirit instead of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be afraid then of the testimony, of sharing the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel relying on the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purposes and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to life light through the gospel. Again, the word of God for the people of God today. Thanks be to God. Pray with me for a moment. This word from Scripture, the refreshing testimony of significant rain hitting a skylight. The presence of people, men and women, boys and girls, who provide such a wonderful, safe place for all of us who are God's children to grow and to become and to realize a living relationship with you and a remarkably fruitful discipleship in your name, Lord Jesus. We ask you, bless our thoughts and our meditations in worship today on these things, for we ask in your name, amen and amen. Her name was Margie Aline Boyd Marion. And for five long years, she suffered through the very necessary 
labor of love of being my and a whole bunch of other knuckleheads in Allen, Texas, our English teacher. I, was, I am sure, I am more than sure, I am absolutely convinced that on all sides of that human equation, there are times when everybody despaired of that situation. That was back in a day, in the mid to late 60s and very early 70s, when that interesting little town up there that I claim is my hometown, now roughly 90,000 in population, back in those days had more livestock within the incorporated city limits of Allen, Texas than they had human beings. Margie Marion, in that little school district, where you couldn't count a hundred kids in high school yet, she was the English teacher for seventh grade, for eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade, eleventh grade, and the senior class. My family moved to Allen when I was in the eighth grade. Margie Marion became a pivotal, fundamental part of my life and my family's life. And she was my English teacher from eighth grade through graduation in high school. And friends, she was magnificent. And I want to tell you why. Because she believed in going back to the basics, whether it be of grammar or rhetoric or research methodologies or discipleship or helping kids understand their Bible or being a person in the community, being fruitful in the community or any other way you want to talk about it, she kept going back to the basics again and again and again. I never got so sick in my life of diagramming sentences, conjugating verbs, writing proper paragraphs, understanding what a meaningful thesis sentence was, undertaking all the way from eighth grade through high school three research papers a year, not accepted until done in the right way, right down to the last footnote, and quote. Or in literature, I never got so tired of listening to, understanding about the deep symbolic meaning of Shakespeare's in The Merchant of Venice. And in the story, those folks were not the only ones that demanded or received their pound of flesh. We all made that sacrifice. And she was magnificent. And there was not a kid, there was not a kid at any time in Margie Marion's over 50-year career as a teacher that did not, there was not a kid that ever doubted that always, always, you got Margie Marion's best. No doubt about it. More than that, in a different place and in a different time, with a different sense of political correctness, it was not uncommon that when Margie Marion 
understood that it was time to have a heart-to-heart talk, and the whole class got included in the heart-to-heart talk, it was not uncommon at all back in that day for the door to be shut to the classroom and for much of a period, serious, honest, straightforward, unconditionally loving conversation went on in that class period about things other than English. Conversations about morality. Conversations about ethics. Conversations about faith and what it means to live unselfishly and not for yourself. Those kinds of conversations happened. And as far as I know, at least in the many such conversations that took place during my five-year period and my peers with Margie Marion, I don't recall anybody raising any cane about the doing of it. And it mattered. Not only that, not only that, Margie came from people who from the very womb were encouraged and given permission to love God and to be fruitful disciples, and to know that a personal relationship with Jesus Christ was a real possibility and not just something to be considered in theory. But she was never heavy-handed, and she was never oppressive in it, and she was always joyful about it. She came from good stock, Alton Boyd and his wife, Booney. That's what everybody called her. Nobody knew what her real name was. It was Papa and Booney, her people. And if you knew her people, and you did, you pretty well knew who you had in Margie. And she lived it out, made it real. She was the organist at the First United Methodist Church in Allen, Texas, Sunday school teacher. Her daddy before, Papa Boyd, was my junior high Sunday school teacher and one of the best Sunday school teachers I've ever known. When I was in eighth grade, Papa was ancient. He was at least 10,000 years old, in my mind, and he knew how to relate to kids. He backed it up. There was not anything that went on in that little town or in that school. Papa Boyd, a carpenter by trade, He would figure out a way to take off, get in his old Ford pickup truck that was nearly as old as he was, drive no more than 40 miles an hour anywhere he ever went, and even if the event and activity was 200 miles away, Papa Boyd would be there. And that gave Papa and all his family and Booney immense street cred for a bunch of naive small-town kids. And so when Papa Boyd would bring the Sunday school lesson and engage us in conversation, we listened and we talked and we thought. And when you were in the eighth grade and you graduated, he gave you a Bible out of his own pocket. And when you were a 12th grader, a senior in high school, and you graduated, he gave you a dictionary. The few of us that went off to college back then, we appreciated the Bible. We more appreciated the dictionary and Margie Marion's constant 
unpacking of the basics in all ways and means. She was the lady who would speak the truth when you needed to. I remember a particular time when a very big wedding was taking place in the sanctuary of First United Methodist Church in Allen. It was on a Saturday afternoon. The place was filled, probably the biggest wedding that ever took place in that little old congregation and that church at that time. There just happened to be a certain gaggle of teenage boys not invited to the wedding or at least not attending the wedding that were so enamored by all the cars in the parking lot, they drove their pickup trucks to the far end of the parking lot, parked out on the grass where the concrete ended, and was just sitting around waiting for the wedding to end so we could count all the people coming out of the sanctuary. Apparently we got a little too loud because Margie Marion, and only Margie Marion, would come literally outside of the church. The, the organ was here, the choir loft was here, and right on the side of the back pew of the choir loft, there was a door exiting to the outside. And only Margie Marion would come to the door, forgetting that she's holding the door open, the wedding is happening inside, and at the top of her lungs say to a bunch of knucklehead boys, loud enough that you could not only hear it to the end of the parking lot, but all the way to Wiley, if you were really paying attention, what are you boys doing? Don't you know there's a wedding going on in here? Everybody else in the sanctuary apparently knew there was a wedding going on there too. She was the biggest fan of supporting UMYF teachers I ever knew. UMYF counselors, Sunday school teachers. You could tell from her own children, Randy and Gary and Steve, you could tell what kind of parents James and Margie were by how their boys lived their lives and did their lives. And in all of that, Margie was magnificent. She'd love you when you needed it. She'd kick your backside when you needed it. She would have very serious talks with you, individually and in group, when you needed it. And she loved you all the time. And she made it abundantly clear that the reason that's so is because somebody first loved her. And not talking just about Papa and Booney. Talking about a certain Lord. A certain God. Yes. Paul says to young Timothy, I know who you are. I know what you can do and be in the Lord. And I know that in a beginning way because I know your people. I know your grandmother. I know your mama. And I know what they've given you. And I know, even though, to little Timothy, you read closely, he was a little shy, a little easily intimidated, and he had to be reminded that the spirit and the calling that God had given him in Jesus was not to be timid and cowardly about doing Margie Marion things and more, but to remember that what he had been given is a spirit, by a Holy Spirit, 
that is based in power and in authority, in love, and in a self-discipline that makes for immense fruitfulness. And Paul says to Timothy, I know that's true in you because of your people. I know who your people are. Mother's Day today. Like you, we all have, in addition to our own people, we have other people that are also our people. We have Margie Marion types all throughout. And so I would say today to you ladies, you gentlemen, you teenagers, I would say that you are Margie Marion. You are Margie Marion, whether your parenting, grandparenting, and great-grandparenting opportunities are still ongoing and available to you or not. I would say that you are Margie Marion. Whether you are anybody's mother or nobody's mother, but family coalesces around you because you've shown in your heart that you're the kind of person that is committed to providing a safe place for any and all, young or old, that God would bring your way. Doesn't matter if biologically or by adoption or by the movement of the Holy Spirit you're somebody's mother in the faith or not, or if you're younger, you will be one day. You are Margie Marion. And let's hear Paul's wonderfully tender admonition today all who are Margie Marion this morning. Let's just never forget, and let's help each other never forget, that God's not given us a spirit of timidity. God's given us in Jesus a spirit of love, proactive, creative, all-consuming unconditional love and the ability to believe that that's really true and therefore live it out and make it true. Let's believe that God's given us a spirit of permission and of a self-discipline that lets Jesus and his love always be at the forefront. For you are Margie Mary. You are Margie Marion. Fellas, you up there, wake up Oren so he hears this, okay? You are Margie Marion. Thank you. You are Margie Marion. May it be, may it be that in a world, clearly, obviously, the evidence is compelling, is it not? We don't even have to get outside the city limits of Garland, Texas to find the compelling evidence anymore if we ever needed to in the first place that the kingdom 
in the face of what all would challenge him. The kingdom is built in the hearts and on the backs of the marginarians of this world. Two years ago, I went to Margie's funeral. I was amazed that so many now very middle-aged knuckleheads came from all over the world to celebrate that lady who made Christ real, who made giving your very best real to so many of us in that place. She was magnificent. We never doubted. She gave us her very best. And I don't doubt that about you either. 